We're looking at Philippians 2, 25 to 30 for the third time, where Paul explains why he is finding it so necessary to send Epaphroditus back to the Philippians who had brought him his gifts and why he's so eager to do it. And the question I want to pose in this session is to go back to chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, where I think we have probably the most fundamental desire of Paul for the Philippians. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only unto his own interests, but to the interests of others. So count others more significant than yourselves. Look to the interests of others. Then he says, have this mind. That's the mind he's talking about right there. A mind for others. Have this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, and then this gives Christ himself as the example of this mindset, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he, he moved from his very high, exalted status, not cleaving to that equality with God in all of its outward manifestations, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That's what this is when you take an interest in others and you count others more significant than yourselves, you're becoming their, their servant. Being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death. Now, my question is, as we consider that the, the central requirement of this letter Deeper, deeper than walking worthy of the gospel. This is how you can walk worthy of the gospel in 127. You have to have this mindset, this deep, deep humility and servant heart like Christ did. When we consider this and we go to our, our text here, how do we see this text Epaphroditus as an illustration, as, and Paul as an illustration, and God as an illustration, showing this text, bringing this, fleshing it out, becoming the biography, you might say, of this text. We've seen the biography here of Christ. Now, do, do we get a biographical uh, instance of, of Paul and of Epaphroditus and of God? So, Father, as we look at the fleshing out of this amazing mindset that Christ modeled for us and Paul is calling for, and Christ died to achieve in us, make it happen. Make us this way, I pray, through Christ. Amen. So, I see at least four ways that this text illustrates the mindset Number one, Paul's joyful loss for the Philippians' gain. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. And you could say here, even though he's my brother, even though he's my fellow 
worker, even though he's my fellow soldier, even though he's your minister to my need. In other words, all of these are designed to say, I love having him around. I love having a brother like this. I love having a colleague and partner like this. I love having a comrade in arms like this. I love having someone who can help me in my imprisonment meet my needs. And instead of cleaving to him, like Jesus might have cleaved to heaven, he sends Epaphroditus back. And here he explains a little more what's going on. I am eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice. In other words, he's choosing their joy over his comforts and ease, their joy. And then he says this, which requires a little thought. I'm sending him that I may be less anxious. How does Paul become less sorrowful or less anxious by sending away a fellow soldier, sending away a fellow worker, sending away a brother, sending away someone who can meet our needs? I would think he would say, in spite of the fact that I'm going to be more anxious when he's gone. How does Paul become less sorrowful and less anxious by sending this precious partner away? And I think the reason is he had become ill in his ministry to Paul and he had risked his life to complete what was lacking. Perhaps, I don't know this for sure, but perhaps Paul is saying there is something about this man's health and something about this location where I am that has created a greater risk for him to be here than to be with you. And because I love him and I love you, I will be less anxious if he is out of this danger of sickness. I'm glad he came. I'm glad he risked his life. That was a beautiful demonstration, but he will be of more service to you there and more comfort to me, so I will be less sorrowful and less anxious when he goes rather than when he stays. The only sense I can make out of that is because his illness here and his risk in getting here makes it better for Epaphroditus to go, which means Paul's anxiety is really not for himself, but for Epaphroditus. That's the first thing I see as to how this text illustrates 2, 3 through 8. Here's the second way. We've seen it already. He has been longing for you. Epaphroditus has been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. His distress was not because he was ill, but because they heard he was ill. That is a man for others. And so that's a perfect illustration of let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's the third illustration. Epaphroditus had risked his life in order to serve Christ, which was also a serving of Paul. He nearly died for the work of Christ. Nearly died. He risked his life. In, to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So they had goods that they wanted to give to him, but they, they weren't complete because they couldn't get them to Paul. And 
and Epaphroditus became the link between their love for Paul and Paul. And so Epaphroditus risks his life in those two ways. One, for Christ. Two, for Paul. He is a man for Christ's glory and a man for Paul's good. And lastly, we have the illustration of God himself. God had mercy on Epaphroditus, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow. So he had been sick, almost dead, near to death, and God stepped in and in mercy, not because he deserved it, none of us deserves this, in his mercy, he gave him health and life, at least enough health to get back home. And Paul feels that same mercy on him. So God's mercy is on him. It's on me. And clearly then, since he can return home, it's on the Philippians. So God is acting with the mindset of also serving Epaphroditus, serving Paul, serving the Philippians. So you can see, I hope, that when, when Paul says back in 2.6 or 2.5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, he has never left that. He's illustrating it with Jesus. He's illustrating it with himself. He's illustrating it with God. And above all, in this paragraph, he's illustrating it with the amazing love that Epaphroditus has for Paul and has for the Philippians.